I've always cared about trees. Ever since I was a little kid, every time I fell in love with a tree, somebody went and cut it down. So when I was five, we had this beautiful silky oak tree that towered over my parents' garage, and the neighbours thought the roots were making the, the garage uh, floor all lumpy, so they made my parents cut it down. And I can remember at my window just looking out at this tree, crying, my mum consoling me, thinking, I'm going to be big enough one day to, to stop this. Then maybe at seven, there was a mulberry tree in my parents' yard and it had beautiful fruit, lots of leaves that I used to feed to my pet silkworms. And, and the other neighbours turned around and complained, of course, that the birds were eating the fruit, pooing purple on their washing, and they made my parents cut it down. And so this continued on until I found myself in my mid-twenties in eastern Victoria, pretty much trying to stop people cutting down trees full-time. So... Uh, a bunch of my friends were in a car and we were driving along through the forest and, and we noticed these tracks and they were heading up this hill. And so we thought, that's a bit suspicious. So we followed the tracks up and we was heading into this, looked like it was heading to this spot that we'd all been before and we thought, really hope that's not what's happening. But we got up there and of course it was. And there was all this logging machinery and this little bit of a clearing in this spot that we'd been to before. And we were all pretty upset. And this place was glorious. It was at a 1,000 metres altitude, huge 60-metre-high trees, uh, big hollows in those trees, ferns growing underneath on the land of the Bidwell people. And in those hollows lived a whole bunch of, of arboreal animals, animals that live in the trees. And one in particular that I felt have a, have a connection with is the greater glider. Now it's this huge sort of cat, the size of a cat, but it has this long furry tail, these big fluffy ears and huge eyes, and it doesn't make any sound. And it can jump and glide between the trees because it's got this skin between its legs. And it can glide over 100 metres. And it never has to come to the ground. It just lives in the trees. And we went up there once and we spotlighted around with our torches and we, we saw five. And we went up again and we saw seven. But the government standard for protecting that forest was an outrageous 11 gliders, which is almost impossible to get. So we were pretty upset about that. And we'd also seen on a map that it was, it was part of a rainforest site of significance. So they shouldn't have even legally been there anyway. So we were pretty angry. We went down the hill. We got on the phone to our lawyers and we said, look, they're in this area. And the lawyers said, look, we think, we think you've got a case here, but it's going to take us a week to get the paperwork together. So we were thinking, if they work for a week, they're going to cut half of this forest down. There's not going to be anything to argue about in court. So there's only one thing to do. That was to go up the hill and stop them working for that week. So we grabbed our gear and we went up there. We decided the best way to do that was to put a platform in that tree and to, to sit somebody in that platform. And then we would cable the platform off to attach through the trees, attached to all the logging machinery. So that person, the, the platform, the trees and the machinery were all entwined together so that if the loggers or whoever came and to cut the lines, they would drop the platform and potentially endanger the person sitting in the, in the platform. And so because I'd been to this place a few times and felt really close to it, I put my hand up to be that person. And so I, I climbed up at about just on first light, I got up there and got to look out and watch the sunrise over the forest and it was amazing, 30 metres in the air, it was really pretty. Smell the, the eucalypts and then, uh, yeah, and then I heard a car and just after dawn, the loggers turned up and so they were pretty angry. They weren't very happy that we'd, we'd held up their machinery and so they were 
yelling and carrying on and my friends did a really great job of calming him down and explaining what was happening. And so they left but they kept coming back and over a couple of days there would be a bit of argy-bargy and, and everything but, you know, it was nice and sunny, I had a great view, I was feeling really good about what I was doing and, and um, yeah, but in that bit of the world, at that altitude, two, three days in, the weather changed and it got really miserable. The fog rolled in, the rain started belting down, everything got wet. All my clothes were wet, my sleeping bag was wet, the tarpaulin on top of me just wasn't keeping the, the water out anymore and, yeah, it was pretty horrible. I couldn't really sleep and starting to wonder how long I could stay up here. And so I was sort of shivering really early one morning, trying to sleep, and I heard this little scurrying noise near me, and I thought, that's a bit strange, I'm 30 metres in the air. And I, I pulled the tarpaulin back, and there, the, um, the moon, the, the fog had cleared, and the moonlight was just beaming down, and you could see everything like it was, like it was almost daylight. And there, sitting on a branch next to me, two metres away, was a greater glider. And we both just froze and paused, and paused, and we looked at each other, looked into each other's eyes, and we had this sort of moment that lasted about 30 seconds and I just looked at its floppy ears and everything and I was like, this is, this is why I'm here, to make sure this guy has a home. And, and yeah, so I, I pulled the tarpaulin back because I thought I'd better let, let it go about its business. And I must have drifted off a bit but I woke up in the next morning and I was just remembering this vision imprinted in my brain of this glider. And, and uh, then, of course, I heard the cars coming but this time it was more cars and that, I know it, knew what that meant. That meant it was bus day. So that's the police, search and rescue, all the forestry officials, everybody came to get me out of that tree. And so they turned up and they worked for a, for a while, maybe a couple of hours, and they managed to get the lines and they, they tied me off to another, uh, to another tree with some fancy rigging work. And, and so I was still up in the tree, but I wasn't attached to the machines anymore and I was feeling pretty dejected. I was feeling seasick from the swaying of the tree and the platform was now at an angle so I had sort of vertigo like I was going to fall out and I couldn't feel my hands anymore because it was so cold. And, but most of all I was feeling guilty because the loggers always cut down the tree that you sit in first as a vindictive act and I knew that this glider lived in that tree and that it was going to lose its home partly because I was, I was sitting in it. And so I was feeling really guilty, but I, I wasn't helping anymore. I needed to, to get down. So I abseiled down and my friends bundled me into a car and took me back home and warmed me up. But they went straight back up the hill and they kept going. A few more days went by and then the phone rang and it was the lawyers. And they said, we've got an injunction. They can't be there anymore. So everyone ran back up the hill and got had a bit of a confrontation and were like, you need to leave. And... And um, they didn't believe us at first, but then they got on the phone and they realised it was true. And they, um, they drove that machinery out and there was this sense of relief. But of course, with fingers crossed, waiting for the, the legal process to play out. And so that, that ticked away for a couple of months and, and until eventually the phone rang again, it was the lawyers and they said, we've settled out of court. They're not going to log that area anymore. And we were ecstatic. We, we were just like you know, we knew that this area was safe now. So we, we thought, let's go and have a look. So we got in the car, we went up the hill and got our torches out and started walking around and we were shining our torches around and then there was one greater glider and then two and then three and then four and then some possums and on it went till we got our 11 gliders. They were there all along. And then we kept going until we got to the tree 
that I was sitting in and we shone the torch across and there on that branch was a glider sitting there looking back down at us and it just filled me with this sense that it was all worth it, that putting that time and energy and everything into it was worth it. And even though it was just a small victory, given everything that's happening in the world right now, that we need everybody to care, even those little victories matter and that caring matters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>